still double fisting. That's it. <laughs> Hey you guys, I'm Scott, and I have recovered. Hey Scott. Alright. Um, Nick, we're, did we meet at the Friday night CA meeting? Yeah, you gave me your seven year check. No shit. Wow. So that's how you get them, you just give them a chip, right? <laughs> yeah, wow. How about that? Thank you. It's a real honor. You know, it's an honor to get asked to talk anytime. You know, anytime somebody asks me to do something uh, in AA or in CA, it, it is an honor um, to get asked by a guy to work with him. You know, if a guy comes to me and says, will you sponsor me? Or if somebody says, will you come up here and talk? Um, it is really, it, it's evidence of a power greater than myself. Uh, you know, there was a time in my life when nobody wanted anything to do with anything I had to say, right? I'm, I see some heads nodding, so some of y'all get down with that. Um, so it uh, it really is wonderful to be here, and really, really cool to be here for the first speaker for a new speaker meeting. And I'm glad that you guys don't have candles burning right now, because I'd be bummed if I couldn't see you. Uh, I know you're normally a candlelight meeting, so thank you for being willing to, uh, to, to alter that tonight so that we can have a talk. Um, <clears throat> I got sober April 9, 2003. The power of God separated me from alcohol and from cocaine for the last time. About 3 o'clock that morning when I passed out. And uh, I've done about everything wrong in between that point and this point that I could. Uh, and I would not suggest that most of you do a lot of stuff I've done while sober. right? But the, the one thing that, that is clear for me and is not clear for many of the people I've seen who get drunk and high again is that I have a real connection to step one. That real connection to step one has driven me through the work over and over and has somehow kept me here in the grace of God. And I can't say that that grace has ever really been deserved. But I've seen many other guys who, who come in and, and gals in, in and out of here over the years who get drunk again, who get high again, who haven't done nearly the amount of stuff um, that I've done while sober that is less than desirable, and they've gotten drunk again. Right? And, and, the, and at the end of the day, the ones of us who are real alkies and addicts, we get drunk or we get high again because we never got step one or we lost connection to step one. It's just that simple. I'm a member of the Spearheads. We are a cocaine anonymous meeting. And we are a, a powerful meeting. And, and some, some guys and gals that I, I have the pleasure of working with and being close to came together a little over a year ago and started to work together to create a fellowship that we craved. And we are open to alcoholics, right? And the reason we use the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we, we teach from that book and our message is deeply rooted in the text and in our own experience with the text. Our own experience with doing the work that the text says to do. And what we found were that there were a whole lot, because a lot of us are andas, right? I heard Nick get up here and say it, I'm an addict and an alcoholic, right? And, and there's a lot of us who are andas. And, and so we found that, in, in, in many of us being, being Alkies, we also wanted a place where we could really support addicts, right? For the ones of us that were both. Um, so CA allowed us to do that, allowed us to create the fellowship and the structure to be able to have a place for the newcomer to come and to get access to power, right? To get a hold to somebody who had recovered and to be pointed to the power that they must have to stay sober and become recovered themselves. Here, here's a deal for me. <clears throat> now, I'll, I'll give you my disclaimer. I will. What I'm, I'll talk to you about my experience, and I, I've got a, a good a good amount from the time that I've been here because I've done a fair amount of work and I stay active in the work. And. My experience is my experience, right? Some of you won't like it. Some of you might really like it. 
You can take it for what it's worth, and I'm fine either way. And if what I say to you causes any resistance, I do invite you to actually to consider what that is instead of just shucking it as off as being nothing or being bullshit or being something that you don't agree with. The name of this place is the How Place, right? Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, I guess, is the reason this place is named the How Place. So maybe we can practice some, right? Um, Yeah, I used to say I'm an alcoholic and an addict. I got sober in a room, in an Alcoholics Anonymous room. Um, And 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 other people were going, yep, I'm I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And I went, okay, I am too. And I drank a whole lot of alcohol and I did a whole lot of dope. And I know this is an AA meeting, but I heard somebody introduce, a couple people introduce themselves as Andas, so I'll, I'll get this out of the way. I, I didn't understand what it meant to be an alcoholic, right? I wasn't clear on that. I didn't understand what it meant to be an addict. Not in the context of what the big book says, but I knew that my life was an absolute disaster and that I didn't have anything left and nobody else was around me and that was probably because I drank alcohol and smoked or shot cocaine every day, right? Had to be a correlation between a really, really screwed up life and all that. So I figured it was probably it. So when I came in, people said, yeah, I'm this, and I said, okay, that sounds great, I'm that too. And I I stayed around for a while and I went through my first piece of work and I got some power and enough power that about a, at about a year, the obsession to drink every day went away. And it took about that long. And <clears throat> it didn't begin to even ease a little bit until about eight months. And that was after I had actually done a fifth step. I had done the most complete and thorough inventory that I could possibly do. Then I did a fifth step with a sponsor and something was lifted for me, right? There was some freedom, and and I still thought about drinking every day, but it got it softened. Right, there began to be some some softening, and then over the next few months, it actually one day I woke up. Actually, it was the one day I woke up and I went, "Oh my God, I didn't think about drinking yesterday." Right, and that was the first day that that had happened in I don't know, ten years, twelve years, something like that. So. Um, then I stayed around for a while, and you know I didn't. I sat on my night step amends. I was not vigorous about making night step amends, and I, I kept hanging out in the rooms of AA, and I got pretty sick while sober, right? And then somebody handed me a speaker tape in a parking lot, and that, that speaker tape um, really lit me up because what it showed me that it was that when I heard this guy talking. I heard him talking about what I was experiencing in the rooms of AA that I was in, and it wasn't it wasn't the fellowship that I craved. Right, the places I was hanging out were were not really where I, I was craving to be because I'd been hanging out there for about a year and a half now. I'd done a little step work, and it was basically the same old shit day in day out in AA. Right? Now I didn't work with meditation. I did prayer, a lot of prayer. Right. Tenth step was nothing more than a concept, to tell you the truth. Right? No practice with it whatsoever. I'd tell you where it was in the book, but didn't know anything about using one. So that fortunately gave way to me getting connected to some guys that were really big into the big book, which is what I, I, I needed at that point, and was uh, they were they had just really kick-ass fellowship, men's fellowship. I needed to be around men for a while. It was good for me because my attention was really drawn by a pretty lady, right? And uh, some of y'all, a couple of y'all know that, right? I see you smiling, right? I mean, to hell with recovery, right? Coming here and, and you chase some skirt. Cause it's a, it was, right? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a distraction, right? It's a distraction, it is. So... God gave me what it was that I needed, right? And, and that was a, a fellowship that I craved at that time that were men. And, and they began to take me and teach me and show me what was in the big book and really began to, to foster something within me. And I found something that I was looking for in AA. And what I really found was the fellowship, right? And I found the message that was really in the big book, right? 
Now here's... <clears throat> I hadn't forgot about the alcoholic and the addict thing. I'm going to come back to that. We're going to come full circle to it. So what happened at that point was in, in this time I'd, I'd made a whole lot of... I'd gotten pissed off at a bunch of people again. I had a bunch of unfinished amends and I'd been living in AA so I was resentful at a bunch of people in AA and people in my life, right? So yeah, that's what I, I, I suffer from this thing that actually when I'm humbled by the first step, I get through a fourth step and a fifth step and shortly after that same thing that was relieved from me when I was humbled by the first step actually comes back and I begin to think I got control of everything again, right? When I begin to think I got control of everything again, I start getting resentful because when I got control, you're supposed to do exactly what the hell I think you're supposed to do. And when you don't do it, I get pissed off at you, right? And then I end up with a pile of resentments and I end up blocked from the only thing that's going to keep me sober, which is God, because resentment is the number one thing that blocks me from the only thing that's going to save my ass. So I made the mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It's was part of what had to happen for me. I, I was led to believe that I could start with a fourth step right, and get some relief that way. Right? And, and what happens, and, and it's, there's a, from what I experienced, there's a common belief around here that we can just start with a fourth step and everything's okay, right? Like if we've been here for a little while. But what that really is, is that I'm saying that the fourth step is just a self-help tool, right? That all of a sudden the fourth step becomes about me getting some relief, Right, And that's not at all what it's there for. The fourth step is there for me to be free of, be rid of the things that are blocking me from God. It's not about self-help. If this was self-help, I'd go get a book on self-help and it'd be great. Right? There's tons of them in the bookstore. So, I did that. I got a very little bit of relief. Right? And I, I did that piece of work, fourth step through ninth step. That's what I did. And I didn't look at first three again. So, two and a half years sober, uh, I really lost it. Complete, completely lost it. Right? Almost got in a fight with a guy I sponsored, about drug him out of a car. Really spiritual, right? And um, yeah, and, and, but that's you know that our lives have become unmanageable. Right? That my life has become unmanageable has nothing to do with the drink, right? See, we come in here and we think that my life being unmanageable is about alcohol. My life being unmanageable is about the other things. It has nothing to do with it because if you've been here for a little while and your life is still screwed up or areas of your life are really screwed up, that's the second half of step one. It has nothing to do with the alcohol, right? So that's what I was up against. And and the guys I hang out with, we use three terms that are interchangeable or synonymous, and that's current unmanageability, untreated alcoholism, and spiritual malady. Right? Use all three of those things, and they all mean the same thing. And our big book tells us that the the hope of the alcoholic is the growth and the maintenance of a spiritual experience. Right? The growth and the maintenance of a spiritual experience, and it tells us that in the fourth step. Right? So there's something to that to be seen that's pretty clear right there that we. We really are here to grow and maintain that experience, and that we're gonna we we must grow and maintain it to maintain freedom from alcohol. Right? So, alcohol is not the problem. Right? It's it's the malady of the spirit that's the problem. It's the internal thing that's the problem. You know that causes trouble in my relationships, causes trouble in my work causes me to feel lots of fear. I'm a prey to misery. I'm a prey to depression, right? Unhappy, feelings of uselessness, right? And those things show up. They definitely show up for us when we're drunk, right? And they also show up for us when we're sober. And if you've come in here and, and you've done some steps and you've been here for a long time and all you have to do is come in here and hang out or do a little bit of step work and everything's been gravy ever since and none of that stuff shows up for you, then you do not have what I have. You're not, um, you just don't got it like I've got it. You know, so I left that sponsor that I was with then. Well, I say I left. He fired me, actually. <laughs> it was the greatest gift he ever gave me. Right? 
I'm not kidding you. And I don't, I don't say it facetiously because I, I love him. I love him with all my heart. But he gave me a gift. He saw me crazy as hell. He didn't know what to do with me, and he fired me, right? And, and that led me to somebody who really... It was God leading me exactly where I needed to be, right? And I got introduced to a guy who, who knew something about a prayer called the set-aside prayer. And we began a piece of work starting with step one. And this is at almost three years sober. And he said, do you know that you can have a real experience with step one three years away from a drink? And I said, no, what are you talking about? He said, well, start this prayer and let's see what happens. Right? And at three years sober, I got as connected to what happens to me when I take a drink of alcohol as I was the day that I got sober. Right? I have a three years sober and I was scary as hell. It was one of the scariest things that ever happened to me sober. But, but it got me connected to what was necessary for me to really have power. And, and the paradox is that, is that I must be connected and aware completely that I absolutely have no power. Right? And the paradox is, is from that comes power. And so I got connected to that then, and, and it, it thrust me into the work. And then that sponsor segued into a man named Mark Houston, who sponsored me for the last three years of his life. And Mark did a great thing with me. And and I've and you know we only have to give what we've got, right? That's all we got. And and so the more we get from the people, there's when you see people in here that have got what you want, man, that are in this thing, go get it, right? Don't sit back there on your ass and think you're going to get it sitting in a chair listening to somebody. You, you, this is about some action, right? We got to take it. And and he he had man, he had it, right? He had what I wanted. And he started to show me some stuff, and he started to teach me to question things, right? He really started to teach me to question things, and. He got me to actually start looking at what it was to be an alcoholic versus what it was to be an addict. Because I was still an and this whole time, right? And I did a lot of stuff, man. A lot of stuff. I died the needle in my arm on a bathroom floor in 1998, right? I mean, I'm sure I'm an addict, right? And, and when I said I'm an addict, that meant all things that I'd done. So what I actually began to do is I began to use a doctor's opinion and... Chapter 3, that you read from tonight, right? To actually look at everything that I had done from the 18 years that I drank whiskey and did dope, I, I began to look at it all, right? What's the truth for me when I put this into my body? What's the truth for me when I make a decision to stop? And here was a great question. Did I ever actually even make a decision to stop that, right? The interesting thing was, is there were a lot of things I said that I'm a complete addict, right, when it came to them. But the truth was, is when they ran out, or went away, or the supply got pinched, or whatever, or that person died, when it went away, it just went away. Right? I had a bottle of brown whiskey by me, because I'd always had a bottle of brown whiskey by me, and, and some dope. Right? And when that thing went away, it just went away. There wasn't even a decision for me to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this again. It just was gone. So I really began to look at what is it that I'm saying that I am, right? Because I want to know the truth about what I am based in my experience, not in what I think I know. And I found out clearly that I'm a, I'm a real alcoholic and I'm a real cocaine addict. Right? And all that other stuff. I'm powerless over, right? I go put a pile of pills in my, in my mouth, right? There's something the matter with my spiritual condition. I'll, I'll, it'll take me to that which I have no control over whatsoever. That which I have no choice in, which is alcohol and cocaine. Now we go back to the people in my group, in our group, and, and a lot of the people that are connected to us all around the country, we, we go back through the work on a regular basis. One of the things some of us do is we actually, as we begin the piece of work, one of the great things Mark taught me was to, to always begin from the place of I don't know. Right? Anytime I begin a new piece of work, to actually begin from the path of consideration. Now, the consideration is this. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. Maybe I don't need God. 
Now you want something to make your sphincter muscles tighten up, right? That's a consideration that will, when that's the thing that you've been really hanging your hat on, is that you are the whole time, right? But if I want to have a new experience with that, if I really want to get connected to, right? If I'm really trusting that God is everything, right? Second step proposition, God is everything. If I'm really trusting that, then I'm going to trust that in this consideration, as I move into this piece of work, that He's going to take care of me as I move through it. And if I find out I am a real alky and a real addict and I need to be here, then perfect. And if I'm not, then I can hit the bricks and I don't got to come up here and talk anymore. And I still, when I go through it, I keep hoping that I'm actually going to find out that I'm not. I was just a heavy drinker for all that time. But that, every time I find out different. Right? And the cool thing is, is that in that consideration and in that prayer, I'm, I'm not kidding you about this. And there's, there's people in this room that can contest to it from their own experience. Right? You really start asking the power that created you to set aside everything you think you know about something. Hang on. You get to find out how comfortable we are in what it is that we think we know. And, and how, how complacent and lazy we become in all of the shit we think we know. And when that stuff gets pulled away from you, and it will, right, then that opens up for a new experience. And that new experience every time for me thrust me into the work, right? I would never do... I mean, think about it. Who here has written a a complete fourth step, a complete inventory? Let me show hands. Okay. So some people have. All right. So why in God's name would you do that, right, if it's not about you living? Why would we ever write down a whole list of all of the shit I've done wrong to all the people I've done it to, to all the people I'm pissed off at, right? All the things I'm scared of. Why would I do all of that on a whim? If we do that comprehensively, I do it because I'm connected to step one, right? And that, that step one experience has abundantly confirmed for me that I absolutely have no power. And that that gives way to the need for power, which gives way to me making a decision to follow that power no matter what it looks like. And actually what it looks like is to write that big-ass list. I'm writing one now. I'm currently in a piece of work. I'm actually it's in, my, I'm in my tenth year sober and I'm in my ninth full piece of work right now. Actually, my eighth and a half. My, that second one I started with a four-step, so I guess it's not a full piece of work. But I, I do it... <clears throat> Truth is, I do it because I'm, I'm absolutely, I can't stand being complacent on the spiritual path. Right? I can't stand just coming into meetings and sitting here like AA or CA is a social function. Because that doesn't feed me. I become restless, irritable, and discontented. I absolutely become miserable without connection. And, and you guys are great, and the people in my group are great, and I love them. And, and I love the people here. But just like Nick said when he introduced me, I couldn't keep his crazy ass sober. Right? I couldn't. No matter how much I loved him, no matter how many times I met with him, right? Nick's the real thing. And no matter what I taught him or any of that, Nick wasn't connected to step one, and Nick got high again. Right? And that's all it is. So you guys don't, nor, nor does the fellowship, which is just, I see the circle, looks like a circle and triangle log on the wall back there. <laughs> yes. A big one there, see? Yeah, right here. So the, the this part... We talk about the circle and triangle a lot in our group. And then unity is the fellowship part. That's what we've got, right? That's one side of the triangle. But it's it's not enough to actually keep us sober. We get here and it's awesome to be here, right? It's awesome to... Remember that, man? When you got like 30 days, right? 
You're like, holy shit, I've got 30 days sober. It's unbelievable, right? 30 days? Yeah. That's grace by which we get that, but we don't have anything yet, right? It's by grace, and the fellowship is what keeps us here. But that runs out. You know, the unity side of the triangle, it runs out. You know, that's an ancient spiritual symbol. I, I guess most of you know it, but in case you don't, it's an ancient spiritual symbol that represents mind, body, and spirit, right? And, and AA adopted it, and they applied our three legacies to it. So unity, service, and recovery. Unity is of the body, service is of the spirit, recovery is of the mind. So mind, body, and spirit, right? Unity, we come here and we find some fellowship. Service is, we talk about this a lot, is often mistaken as making coffee or cleaning up after the meeting or any of that kind of stuff. Now, it's actually not what the authors were talking about. It's not what it was about, right? Service is of the Spirit, and that happens as a result of being recovered. I'm able to come up here and talk to you tonight about my experience, and and I, I got it, right? I'm free. I won't drink alcohol. I won't shoot any more cocaine, right? Because I'm recovered. And I have a message to carry that comes from being recovered, and that is the service. I'm able to sit down with another alky, and if they got a first step, I can take them through the whole game. That's it. We're, that's the gift. So three sides of the triangle. And we can find where we're at in this thing. If we look at ourselves, we gauge where we currently are against that. It's actually, balance is a, a fickle beast for us, right? It's, it really is. It's a, I mean, it's hard. We are the most, you know, alcohol is just, you take the alcohol away, you take the other shit away, and then 10 other beasts pop up, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like a 12-headed dragon, man. You know? I mean, it's sex. It's her. Sex. Right? Money. The gym. Cars. Motorcycles. Whatever. I went on a Star Wars obsession one time since I've been something, man. I, can't, I, I totally forgot that. I just told you. I was so obsessed with Star Wars, man. I was just like buying shit on eBay, right? I go from eBay, like, just, give me that shit. Just click, 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 click. <laughs> you know? I mean, that, that's really what happens, right? So we, we've. I mean, once the alcohol is out of the way, and, and, and we've been given the grace and that freedom that happens as a result of this, the real work's going to begin. I mean, it's a lifelong game. And trust me, if you're a real alky like I am, real addict, it ain't going away. Right? I'm in the grips of a progressive illness. It gets worse, never better. Never better. We, we got a friend. Maybe this. If you haven't buried anybody since you've been here, stay around, you will. Right? I guarantee you that. And I'm sure some of you have. There's a guy who, the sponsor I went to after I was fired by Larry was a guy named Ed Shambly, who's still really, we're really close. And Ed sponsored a guy named Brennan. Brennan Lansing. And Brennan was close, close to to Carl over there and and myself. We, We were around each other a lot. And Brennan was great, man. And uh, 20, young kid, got, let me tell you, got sober when he was 17, right? And and when you hear the story of this kid from the time he was 13 to 17, I mean, it, it might as well have been a story of a guy who had been running for 40 years, right? And it was like that. And this kid was so smart and just young and, and just had it, right? Got into school, so, so smart man, got into school and decided he's going to go finish his education here in Atlanta. Decided he's going to go up to New York, be a big Wall Street deal. And pretty much went right into that and, and got his foot in that game right away, making a lot of bank. Right? Got disconnected from the fellowship that he craved, disconnected from the principles of meditation and prayer and working with others, 10, 11, and 12. Got up there and went out with all his Wall Street buddies, 
one day, and I'm talking, man, smart. This kid was smart. I went out with his Wall Street buddies one night, and all of a sudden, the insane idea won out, right? That the book talks about in chapter 3, right? That's the thing that makes us the real alky. That's what separates us from the hard drinker and the real alky. The insane idea that all of a sudden, after all of the shit I've been through behind a drink or behind a hit of dope, all of a sudden I can take a drink and I can control and enjoy it this time. Right? And that's what Brendan did. He, he took a drink. And he called Ed and he said, Ed, I took a drink. And Ed talked to him about some stuff. And then and Brendan said, well, let me think about that. I'll call you back tell you what I'm going to do. Brandon called him back and said, I'm not going to do that. I think I've got it. Two, two weeks and a day later from that call, Ed called, Ed called me and he said, Brennan died yesterday morning. Right. Under three weeks, almost seven years sober and under three weeks from taking a drink, he died. Right. That's what happens to us. That's what happens to us when we get disconnected from this thing. Whatever. And it sucks, you know, because you get people you love and you don't get to tell them goodbye in here. But second step proposition says that God is everything, right? So if God is everything, then God is everything. And whatever God's will was for Brennan has been done. And I'm sad that he's gone. But it's a perfect example of what happens when I'm not here for long enough. And you know, Mark used to say it all the time. He'd say, my alcoholic ego tells me that I know what the day looks like that I'm going to drink again. That I'm going to drink again when it's really, really bad, or I'm going to drink again when she leaves. Right? I'm going to drink again if I'm really flat broke. Right? Big Book said in Fred's story is the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. Right? right? See, we forget that that we don't know what it looks like. Right? All we have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition, and that's what we must do is maintain it. And maintaining it if we're connected to it that we're a real alky is not done by just being in here. Okay? It's done by a whole lot of stuff that's all contained within the directions in the big book. You know, the, <clears throat> There's about a hundred pages in our book that basically contain the whole game, right? Everything we got to do to go from from awareness of the problem to surrender to complete freedom and to be able to maintain that freedom. 53 of that 100 pages is about the first step. I mean, 53 of 100 pages is about one step. Right? And, and here's the deal. If, if, if you get it, Mark used to say, he said, man, you, you, get, you get connected to first step, Right, you'll you'll run somebody over like a Mack truck to get to step two, and and that's the case for me. You know, I was atheist for twenty five years. Twenty five years, I didn't believe there was a God. Now I went, you know, I'm talking about getting my ass whipped by twenty people in the street in jail more times than I can remember. I never once called God save me. I called Mama a few times. You know, got her to bail me out, but I didn't call for God. Right. And and I had that experience with that shooting dope in 1998, and I found out there is something. Right? There is something bigger than me. And it took the next five years. I said in that experience, I said, "You give me life, and I will. I will make it right. I will do whatever I have to do to make it right." And I was given life again. Right? I had another chance. This game. Now. Here's the problem when you don't know what God is or how to look for God or where God is or any of that. And I've just made a commitment to God that I'm going to do something, but I have no idea what the hell to do about that. All I did was I tried to start praying. Well, be careful you ever make a commitment like that, right? Because you may be held to it. 
And you may be drugged through whatever you got to be drugged through to, to honor that commitment. So the next five years became the last five years of my drinking. I'm, I'm talking, man, almost instantaneously within a couple of months. It went from, from having that experience to completely falling apart, right? Just falling apart. Within no time, I was completely alone, right? Ostracized by family, by friends, by everybody. And I spent five years almost completely alone and in the bottom of a bottle and a pipe or a needle. And that's what it took, was that five years. And that was a part of that commitment. And on April 9th, 2003, I woke up, and instead of driving to the liquor store, I drove into an AA meeting. And six days later, I took took a white chip that night. Six days later, I, I woke up, I came to, in that AA meeting. And I don't know where the other six days had went or what I had done, but I was sober because they told me I'd been there every day. And I, I got up and I, I, a voice in my head said, you have no idea how to live and you're going to die. And, and I stood straight up in the middle of the meeting. The meeting was still going. It was a discussion meeting. People were talking. I walked right across the room to a guy who had about 25 years sober and I said, I just repeated it. I have no idea how to live and I'm going to die. And people, people, somebody was talking, they just stopped. What the hell is this guy doing, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and then here was the, the thing that changed my life. One question. I said, will you help me? I'm a guy who, who wouldn't ask anybody in here for any help in that one moment. And, you know, I was, that wasn't of me, Right? wasn't of me to help to ask you to help me with alcohol and dope because I've got it right? no matter what I've got it so it was that that's the surrender that's when it happened for me in that moment when I said will you help me and he said yeah I will and he grabbed three other guys and they started to work with me right and from that day to this day I'm taking a drink of whiskey or, or done any dope right because of um Undeserved favor, right. and a lot of it. You know, it's who in here has got a. <clears throat> I'll tell you why it's so important that I, I keep doing the work over and over. And you know, water finds its own level. So the people that come around you and stay around you, that you work with, that God, that you attract to yourself, they're vibrationally equivalent, right? And, and they, they need what you've got, and that's just the way it works. Um, the guys around me, if, if I show up and there's guys around me, trust me, they are really about the, the worst apples in the bunch, right? Because we are um, all definitely, yeah, I'm sitting over there. I mean, we, we're just, you know, we need to do this work over and over and over again, right? Who here has a successful relationship with a significant other? Okay. Who here has tried but failed? <laughs> yeah. See, right? That's <clears throat> the big book. My wife is here tonight. She's the amazing woman. She said her name was Lorene earlier. And um, I... I wouldn't have her and I wouldn't be married to her. I would have never gotten married, right? If it wasn't for the relationship with God that was given to me by being in these rooms. And I wouldn't have ever gotten married to a woman that I love and adore so much, even though she completely drives me crazy sometimes. That's my own stuff, right? If I didn't do the work over and over, and I'll, I'll tell you why it's so important, right? If you've been around for a while, or, or or you are around for a while, and you have some relationships, man, the, the as we move through the continued pieces of work, what has been one of the the great gifts of first of all, when we in my first few works, I didn't do really anything with the sex inventory, you know, we. 
It's like we'll do the whole inventory and we'll just skip over those two pages in the book, right? So many people are like, you just don't even touch that. There's a whole bunch of clear-cut questions right there, right? It's like all these questions, but yeah, okay, just flip, flip. Right? <laughs> yeah, when I actually started to really inventory the way I showed up in relationships, I got to really see some big chunks of truth about myself. And the cool thing is, is that each relationship, and I had a few since I've been sober before Lorena and I met, and I've done, made some pretty big mistakes in those relationships and been a real asshole because at the end of the day, I'm, I am selfish and self-centered to the core, right? And, um, but there, there's always movement, right? From one piece to the next piece to the next piece, because I see more and more about myself and I actually create a vision in there of what it is that I'm going to look like because when I do that inventory on my relationships see, all the one night stands and all that stuff out there that's kind of all one big thing, right? but what's really important to look at is how it is that I show up in my, my he and she and or whatever he and he and whatever it is that you do, right? but in, in my intimate relationships there's a specific way that I show up that's different than in other relationships, right? Yeah. And the book gives us the gift of really being able to look at that. And it gives it in a specific format for a reason, right? And as we continue to do work around it, what happens is it's like skimming off layers of cream off the top, right? We, we just start to refine it more. I start to see, oh yeah, so this is what I did in this relationship. See, there's a question there that says, what should we have done instead, right? And the answer is never, ever not gotten involved in the first place. <laughs> Although you'll want to write it with everyone you're really pissed at, right? right? That's just a cop-out. That's a way for me not to actually look at it, right? So the question is really, what should I have done instead had I been living this relationship in the eyes of God? Had I been living this relationship for God? And I really get to see some truth about myself and I get to create a vision of what it is that I want to look like in my next relationship or in the current one if she happens to still stay. Matter of fact, I'm about to write inventory on, on. I'll be writing my first one since married soon. Scary. Fucking <laughs> scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's strange. It's a whole different game, right? Like, I've, uh, I mean, 38 years old, I got married for my first time. And the only time. And I had to go through a lot to get here to where I finally found um, somebody that I'm willing to serve more than I'm willing to serve me. Now that doesn't mean all the time. I wish it did. I'm not there yet. Right, honey? But I finally got it, right? That it, it's about something bigger than me, right? It's just like working with a, an alky, working with another dope fiend, right? It's about me giving something to them, right? Giving of myself to them, right? And now I, I get why I never could be in a relationship that stayed, right? Because I never got that in a relationship. I never got that it wasn't just about me. If you really look at it, right? My whole life is always just about me. I'd be a perfect example of, of still how, how it, no matter how much I do, no matter how much I work, up to this point now, now maybe someday I'll be you know, as light as a feather floating around the place and it won't stink and everything will be great, right? Not, I'll, I'll just be great, right? Um, it's not there yet for me. Maybe a perfect example of how self-centered my thinking can still be in a split second. We're going to a training in, in, in New York 
And we had made a decision that we, we were going to go to this training because these were really great facilitators of this training we're doing. This is my wife and I. And we were going to go. It's, it's you know quite expensive and a big commitment of our time and resources. And we're going to go and... Um, because it's the last, these trainers are really masters in their field. And we're going to go, we want to go because this may be the last time they train together because they're going to start passing it off to some of their proteges, right? So I get the email, right, that, that gets me to the site, gets me started through the, through the online aspect of the thing. And I see that right, the way they've done it, there's about 30 people and there's three trainers, so one person, two person, three person, right? And they basically just listed all the people alphabetically that are in the course from A to Z. I landed in the third group, because starting with the S, Scott. And I see that my name is under a group with a team leader that's not one of those two people I wanted to go there with, right? So in a split second, I turn that into oh my God, I'm not going to get taught by the people I wanted to get taught by. Well, I feel awful. I'm just going to quit. <laughs> Email, what's it take to get a refund, right? <laughs> That's how agnostic I still am, right? That's how completely, in, in a split moment, I can be completely reliant upon myself, fall into fear, and have no dependence upon God when God put me there in the first place, right? And finally, I get on the phone with the guy who, who orchestrates the whole thing, and he goes, man, I'm still teaching the whole thing to you. You've only got to do like two things with that team leader the whole time. I'm over like nine months, right? I mean, I, I take seeing that one email and make it mean... All the shit I make it mean, and it didn't mean any of it, right? Because I'm self-centered. Right? That quickly, I get scared, right? and I start to try to control the thing to protect myself from being hurt. Right? It's just that quick. Right? That's why I have to be here. Right? That's why I have to continue on the path, because enough of that cumulatively in my life ends up with me taking a drink or one of these in the head. Right? And that's just the way it is for me. And it was great yesterday because since I got the phone with them, I was like, wow, you, that was awesome. I apologize for, you know, I was just retarded right then. So, yeah. But what I really was, was I, I'm agnostic, right? We agnostics, right? Current agnosticism. What area of it is it right now in my life that I don't trust God to take care of me? Right? And it showed up real quickly that I didn't trust God. And also at the same time, at first I thought also, oh yeah, she got the better group. Right? <laughs> See? Yeah. The reason I share that with you is I stay up here, I say that I do all this stuff and I do do a lot of stuff, right? But it still happens that quickly for me. I fall asleep, I get scared, I make whatever it is mean something, and I take actions based on that fear, and it happens real, real quick, right? And then I have to go, oh, shit, I, I was supposed to pause, right? Ten step, you know, ask for God to remove this. Oh yeah, I call up, clean that up. Sorry, I did it with Carl today. Carl, I did it. I had to call Carl today, making amends to him. Right? I did. I did it because it's exactly what I had to do. Because right? I showed up in a way with Carl that was scared in a phone call and was not loving, and I love him very much. Right? The cool thing now is that I really do have this thing and I, I take action quickly when I see it, right? You know, the H is honesty and how, but it really does give way to integrity over time, right? Which is doing what I say I'm going to do, right? Do what I say and say what I do. Right? And that takes a lot of work because the truth is I can be honest in a fourth step, I can be honest in something real quick, but having integrity with my word over the long haul that takes a lot of work and a lot of commitment and a lot of going back and cleaning shit up, right? Because at the end of the day, it's still... Ed and I talk about it. It's like we think that 
God intentionally made us agnostic just to make it just to make us seek him, right? My life certainly looks like it, right? I get great, great rewards. I forget they come from God. I screw it up some, right? And I go, oh yeah, and I get back in alignment. So it's out of alignment, it's in alignment. It's out of alignment, it's in alignment. So I'm really blessed to, from my water level, to have found its level, and that level being we go through the work over and over and we seek God in whatever way we seek God. Now the container of that is the 12 steps, right? And inside the 12 steps, and when you're in the 11th step and the 10th step, those are really infinite places to be. You know, the book says to, to make sure we don't, we, we see where religious people are right, right? There's so much stuff we can do inside of an 11th step. We can do all kinds of training and therapy and, and various religions and spiritual disciplines and the sky's the limit, right? But one thing I, I'm glad that I really get is that I don't let whatever those things are I find within the steps take me away from being here. We say head in the clouds, feet on the ground. And feet on the ground is us being here working with each other. So, it really is a gift to be sober today. It really is a gift to uh, have friends in my life today. To have all of the gifts that I've been given today. To have, I mean, man, Tarek and I were talking about it at dinner, right? Like He, he said somebody came up to him the other day and was like, Man, you remember where you were five years ago? Right? Tarek was complaining because he didn't have all the shit he wants right now, right? And, uh, and somebody walked up to him and, and said, Do you remember where you were five years ago? And he went, Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. We forget. And we're given so much of being here. So, thank you for being here and helping me remember how great I've got it and what a gift it is to have it today. Nick, thank you so much for having me here. God bless.